Blue Wire. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. We dive into everything NFL today, including what has happened to those majorly hyped up Cleveland Browns. We preview the San Francisco 49ers and Seattle Seahawks Monday night football game. We talk all things Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Could they be going to the Super Bowl? And we talk a little Thursday night football must win game for the Raiders and the Chargers. So who will come out on top? I'd like to thank our sponsors, Axios and Untuck It. And with that, let's get to it. Hello, Steph. Can you believe that we are this far into the NFL season right now? It's gone way too quickly, but it's been a fun season. There's a lot of teams that are really stepping up and, you know, football's fun again. Football is so fun again, and a big reason for that has been a lot of very young, dynamic quarterbacks, and we will talk more about that as our episode goes on. But someplace where football is not fun and where it was supposed (laughs) to finally be fun is in Cleveland. Probably the most hyped team in the offseason, I think, would be a fair bet. You had people thinking the Browns potentially could go to the Super Bowl, Baker Mayfield could potentially be MVP. So much star power. They got Odell Beckham. Looks like they may have made a bit of a misstep at coach, and it is just turning into a complete disaster in Cleveland. 100% agree with that. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll admit it. I was big on the Browns. I mean, I think a lot of us felt like, hey, that last season was fun to watch. And they're only going to get better from here. They had all these, you know, changes happen. And, um, yeah, I think I was totally on that bandwagon. But now they stand like two and six. I saw the um, post-game interview with Baker Mayfield. And I think w- how he looked basically is uh, how the Browns look in general. Just a very weird, um, I don't know if he was going for the Minshaw look, <laughs> Minshew look. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, he was, like, fourth runner-up in the costume of Gardner Minshew. That's all he I was, He was fourth runner-up. It wasn't even a good Minshew costume. You're totally correct. I saw a lot of oh. memes saying he looked like the guy in the detective movie where the detective never has his back or the sergeant never has his back and he's about to throw in his badge. What was so also weird about his look, and then, of course, we can talk about their play, was he had three different facial hair looks during the day. He had the one going to the stadium. He had a different look at halftime. It was like or when he came back out of the half, uh, he had a Fu Manchu. And then he had the postgame look. And the thing with that is you can't be that guy unless you're that guy on the field. You can be all eccentric and cool, and it's amazing you have these three looks. But he is not that guy on the field right now. He just looks completely out of sorts. And I had high hopes for Baker Mayfield, and he just looks completely out of sorts. And then I think one of the craziest things going on there is what's going on with Odell Beckham, who has had this season, wait for it, Steph, three red zone targets. Not catches, targets. He is 18th in receiving yards, I think. And he has one touchdown. So I don't understand what is going on there. 
I mean, it also begs the question, Odell's been struggling for a while, and we keep blaming the quarterback, but I do think in this case it is very much the quarterback and the Browns' offense. And we've talked before on this pod in years past when Odell Beckham gets frustrated. You know, I somewhat don't blame him because it's his career too. Mm -hmm. And his best years have been wasted. We talk a lot about that with Josh Rosen. Has he, He's been put in a bad position everywhere he's gone, um, and can he possibly succeed? But now with Odell, there's such potential there, and his best years have really been wasted. It's unfortunate. Yeah, and I, I think everybody was pulling for, you know, Baker. I think they were pulling for Odell, you know, um, it's it's tough to see because it seems like, you know, on paper, they have all the pieces they need, you know, all the weapons, but they cannot execute or I don't know if it's a play calling. There's so many things wrong there that, you know, you kind of have to be like, well, you know, it starts from the top up. And I really question Freddie Kitchens, you know, last, last week. I think that there's just too many things that are not hitting in several areas that this is where they are now. They definitely made a big mistake at coaching. You know, we've talked before. It was a Jim Tom Sula-esque hire. Um, right. I think the Browns really just made a huge misstep there. I know Baker Mayfield really wanted Kitchens because when he did come in last year as offensive coordinator, the offense started clicking. Baker started cl- clicking. But it has just been a disaster. And I, I feel bad for Cleveland fans. I know for them it's probably, well, same story, different season. <laughs> but there had to be – some excitement. I mean, I know a lot of excitement about this, and this is just, it, it's just really surprising to see. But it also shows you could take all the talent and star power and put it on a team, but if there's not chemistry and it's not good coaching, you're not going to gel and not produce on the field. And football is so important that way. It's one of the big differences, I feel like, between football and baseball. And we saw in the World Series that, really for the first time ever, the home team never won. The road team won every right. game. And certainly a home team picks you up. But I think in baseball, it's less about emotion and more about balls and strikes and making the play and hitting when you need to hit. And it's talent and, me- and mechanics. And I think we see that. I mean, years and years and years ago, the Oakland A's hated each other. And they were fighting each other in the dugout, literally getting into <laughs> fist fights in the dugout. And they won the World Series because it means less in a sport like baseball. In a sport like football, it's huge. It's just huge. We're seeing it in San Francisco, and we'll talk more about that later. And I think you see how important that is to the success of teams. And in Cleveland, nothing is working. So they're 2-6. and six. I don't know that they'll fire Freddie Kitchens midseason. I do subscribe to the theory that bad teams stay bad by firing their coaches every year. But I think in this particular case, it just may have been a major misstep, kind of like with Tom Sula and Chip Kelly in San Francisco. And a change needs to be made. But I don't know that they'll make a change at this point midseason. They did that last year at midseason. I think at this point they probably just need to ride it out. But uh, what a mess. Yeah, it's messy. It's messy. (laughs) I think messy is – 100% the way to go on that one. So there's that. Um, So that's really that on the Browns. We'll see how the season continues, but I don't really see any hope of them turning it around at all. And, you know, we'll see what starts to happen in that locker room because you're going to have some very unhappy egos in there, and I can't say I entirely blame them. So we will see what's going on from there. 
Um, quick little tidbit of news uh, on your team, your team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, on a bye this week. But when they come back, Nick Foles is coming back. The Minshew era ends for 2019. Are you sad? No, I think, I mean, after seeing him, this, I had to wake up at 6.30 a.m. to watch this. That, that, that may have made you sad. 6.30 a.m. <laughs> on a Sunday to watch that game. That would make yeah, me sad. Yeah, and get up at 6 and get up. But anyway, so I'm like, okay, you know, here we go. And I actually watched um, football from 6.30 a.m. to, I don't know, almost 9, whatever the time ended on uh, when the Pats game ended. But it was a lot of uh, football to take in. And, you know, the thing is, is the Minshew era was absolutely so fun. It was, um, I think it reinvigorated a lot of Jags fans because, you know, last season we started off, you know, with really high hopes. And now, you know, it was just like, hey, let's just have fun out there. And Minshew was able to do that. He was able to really spark um, that offense. On defense, they were never quite as good. Um, but now falling four to five, you know, for the season and getting beat out so bad in London, you know, it's time for a change. And it's not just the QB's fault, but he is a rookie and he's missing, you know, you can tell he's missing his assignments and he's missing reads. It's time. This is why they paid Bulls the big bucks. So I'm not altogether surprised. That makes sense. I think that makes sense. And I think what is probably encouraging for you and for Jags fans is to know that in the future, you have a quarterback and a potentially yeah, a franchise quarterback, uh, but he's going to have to, you know, take a seat now and, and pay his dues. And he definitely got invaluable experience. And now the Foles era is back in action after the bye week. Uh, and of course, your team lost, I'm sorry, to the Houston Texans. And it wouldn't be Fangirl Playbook if I didn't give one little shout out to my guy, Deshaun Watson, <laughs> his amazing He's game so good. and his acrobats. And I think now everybody knows I'm all in on the Deshaun Watson train. So I, of <laughs> course, just had to take a moment and acknowledge that he had a fabulous game. So he I did. He had a great game. And what was interesting about it is this is the second time that the Jags faced Houston and Houston had a totally different um, defense and they put up the very first time against Minshew, but they, they've had the ability to play him first. Now they knew exactly what to do, how to defend him, all the things. So, you know, I have to give props where it's due. I mean, Houston um, regrouped really well. And I think it says a lot too about the Jags coaching and their playmaking skills and how they're calling plays. Um, you can tell that, you know, even Shad Khan said, I'm going to write an article on this, but. Um, yes, she is. Know. Look out for it this week. <laughs> <laughs> but like he said last year, I think it was in December of 2018, that if they didn't make the playoffs, he's going to make some, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but some big changes. And it came across like you either make the playoffs or else, you know, that. And I thought it was going to be towards the top brass. So we'll see what happens here, because I don't think that they have a shot right now. Things can. <laughs> Probably not because they, the AFC is tough. But you can, always, you can always hope. They're not. I don't. I wouldn't say they're completely out of it at the moment. But um, they're just in a tough conference. Obviously, well, both conferences are tough. Obviously, but they are in a tough conference, and there are a lot of good teams. But there's still a lot of season left to play. So I would say not all hope is not lost, but the no. chances, the chances are not high. But we will definitely see what happens after the bye week.
Uh, before we talk about a pretty big AFC matchup that happened this past Sunday between the Patriots and the Ravens, we are going to take a moment for a word from our sponsors, Axios and Untuck It. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means, gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untuck It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untuck It shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they aren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's UntuckIt.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. All right, Steph, now let's talk Patriots-Ravens. Personally, I think we saw an AFC championship preview I'm not counting the Chiefs out. Chiefs fans, Chiefs fangirls, do not get mad at me. I'm not counting them out. I'm not saying anything against them. I'm just saying there's a very high likelihood that that could have been an AFC championship preview. If that's the case, the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl. But obviously, we're midway through the season. The Patriots were certainly going to lose a game. That being said, the, pa the Ravens looked fantastic. Lamar Jackson, really hard to defend against. He's, I believe the leading AFC rusher right now. Is that correct, Steph? Yeah, he is. And, um, like, right now, there's really talk, I mean, that he is, like, in the hunt for the MVP, you know. Um, maybe Russ Wilson, you know, not my, my favorite, but they're both having stellar years. And, you know, the Pats, you know, they have, 
even though I don't necessarily agree with this, but they have the top-rated defense right now. And they tried to defend Lamar Jackson. They even tried to, you know, have a spy on him at all times, and he just blew by them. There was just no way to defend that. It, and then, and the thing is, is, he could put it up in the air if he didn't run it. So mm-hmm. hard, hard to defend. I mean, he is uh, one of a kind and like a gem for sure for the Ravens. So kind of neat to see him doing so well. It is, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up that he's being coached by a Harbaugh with the offensive coordinator of Greg Roman. So, Mm -hmm. of course, gives us a little bit of flashbacks of Colin Kaepernick. I do think, and I I hate to say this, and saying this this is going to break my heart, and it's very difficult for me, but I'm just going to go ahead and just just spit it out. I do think Lamar Jackson's a better all-around quarterback than Colin Kaepernick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Colin, and I'm sorry, Steph. I know, I know. It was. I think. I think everybody who has followed me over the years knows that that was very hard for me to get out. But I do believe that it's true. I also think he's probably put in a better position to win, based on a variety of factors, which we've talked about multiple times on this podcast, and we don't have to get back into. But he is definitely special. Definitely one of a kind. But interesting that again, coached by a Harbaugh, different Harbaugh, but by a Harbaugh. With Greg Roman as his offensive coordinator, I think the sky's limit for him, and that is a really, really good football team in the Baltimore Ravens. And I think on Sunday night they really put the AFC on notice and said, you know, don't don't forget about us. There's been so much talk about the Patriots and the Chiefs. Ravens, Ravens look good. Are, they look really, really good. Uh, the Chiefs they look very complete. Chiefs yeah. also, of course, had a big win the the other day uh, over the Minnesota Vikings. It was a really great football game. And I got to give it to Matt Moore. He has been holding his own taking over for Patrick Mahomes. It's really been incredible. Uh, Sunday was a bit of a rough day for kickers, but not for the Chiefs. (laughs) Harrison Butler got to be the hero. So it was uh, definitely a a good day for him. Uh, Also a rough day for the entire NFC North as they all went down. Uh, (laughs) the, The Dolphins got their First win of the game, the season, which has nothing to do with the the NFC North. I just wanted to throw that out there. But back to the NFC North, they all had a very tough day the other day. But on the plus side, at least no one really lost any ground because yeah, they right. all lost. Everybody lost. <laughs> well, I was going to say, too, is that the Detroit Lions really missed an opportunity to gain ground, you know, losing to Oakland on the same day that Green Bay and Minnesota both lost. It would have been a perfect opportunity to pull away from the pack, considering, you know, Chicago lost its fourth straight, too. So mm-hmm. if they really want to make it, these teams that have so much potential are, are losing games like must-win games. And I think that's what's really going to separate them. The fact they lost to the Raiders, too, opens it up for the Raiders, you know, which we will see on Thursday Night Football with against the Chargers. What do you think about that one? <laughs> Well, that's it. That's going to be kind of an interesting game because you've got two teams who were kind of somewhat counted out, both beating NFC North teams, the Chargers with a real shocker against the Packers. But that was the kind of game also that, you know, a team like the Packers could lose traveling for the bye week should have been an easy win and you lose it. I don't think it's a, a real, you know, sentence on the Packers and the rest of their season. It was just somewhat of a fluke. 
But the Raiders, as you said, tough fought game against the Lions. They're now four and four. I believe the Chargers are four and five, I believe. Um, potentially correct. four or five. That's correct. Okay, so the Chargers are four and five. Both teams long shot at making the playoffs, just as we were talking about with the Jaguars earlier. That being said, this game becomes very much a must win. You have an AFC West division rival. So those kind of games on a Thursday night are always going to be interesting and will probably be fun to watch. But I think this is a pretty huge game for the Raiders, even more than the Chargers. The Raiders win this game. They're five and four. All of a sudden, they're in the hunt for the wild card. It's still a long shot because you've got the Colts and you've got so many good teams in the AFC that are going to be fighting for those spots. But all of a sudden, a team that had potential went through so much drama, so much adversity in the offseason in the beginning of the season. Looks like yeah. they could make a bit of a run for a wild card and it becomes a really interesting game. On this week's Get My Job is Michelle Beisner Buck and Tori Zawacki Roy. And Tori worked on Gruden's QB camp. She was a producer on that show for three years. And she talked about Gruden, and he's, she said it's not a character. You guys will hear the whole thing on Thursday. But she said that he is just, like, the hardest-working person, coach, you'll ever meet, or among the hardest-working. And I would be happy for him and the Raiders. I know as a 49ers fan I'm supposed to hate them, but really <laughs> the Raiders' the Raiders' success or lack thereof is, has nothing to do with the 49ers this season. But I would be happy for them. I'm rooting for them on Thursday, and – I think they could pull out a win. And if they do, it just makes their season a lot more interesting. And it would be really nice for Oakland fans who are about to lose their team to Vegas. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think there's a lot of ways that this can go. Um, they have they have the ability to stay in the hunt. But this is a must-win game for both the Chargers and the Raiders if they want to stay in the hunt. So it's going to be hard fought. I mean, this is a great rivalry. I mean, they hate each other. These these two fan bases and 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 the teams themselves like really really dislike one another. So it'll be interesting. I think that they're going to put more emphasis on this one. Um, the players they're going to give it all they have. So it's going to probably be one of the better games for this Thursday night football. And we'll see which Derek Carr we see. I mean, I think. How goes Derek Carr? Well, how goes be how goes the Raiders on Thursday? He's sometimes he plays so well, and sometimes it's like, what what did you just do? Why did you do that? What are you doing? But I I think we'll see which Derek Carr we see on Thursday, and that will be a big part of this game for the Raiders. So I'm excited to watch that one. Uh, it's it, you know these Thursday night games have actually turned out to be pretty good, and if you. And when you put the rivals up against each other, last week, Halloween, we had the 49ers in Arizona against the Cardinals in a game that should have been an easy win. I did not think it would be an easy win, but in a game that should have, in theory, been an easy win, the Niners did pull it out. But these Thursday night games have actually been fun. But I would say this weekend's, well, which will be on Monday, game of the week, and I'm not being biased here, but I think everyone can agree this is the game, Monday Night Football, the Seattle Seahawks versus the San Francisco 49ers at Levi Stadium. The Niners are the last undefeated team in the league. They will be coming off their mini bye week. They'll have had, you know, had the extra day to prepare. Um, well, they've had extra few days to prepare because they're coming off the mini bye week. They don't have to travel. This is going to be such a good football game. And to be honest with you, 
I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. And a couple people actually asked me yesterday. They said, I dinner with a couple of friends who are 49ers fans, and they said, what do you think is going to happen on Monday? And I said, I, I think the Niners will win, but I'm not entirely sure. This is as good a game that this rivalry has seen since basically that NFC Championship game. Right. I Yeah. I mean, obviously, and I'll be honest here, I think that the Niners are the better team. However, there are times, you know, when there's a trap game and, you know, you never know. And Seattle has always found ways to, despite necessarily the who's better, whatever, um, to pull out some really amazing stuff. And the one thing is that they're home, right? They're home on Monday. They are home. Yes, they are. Okay. So Seattle's home? No. No, no. It's the Niners. It's at Levi's. The Niners are home. It's at Levi's. So I think there's an advantage there, but I also think that the losses that Seattle um, suffered, you know, they were against the Saints and the Ravens, and then of the all the wins, they barely have won by like a score, you know, one score or a field goal or, you know, that kind of thing, which in contrast, I mean, 49ers had that type of game against the Cards, but for the most part, it's been huge, their differential of the scoring, you know? So we'll see what happens. I, I I think they've had more time to recover, and they're heading into from a Thursday to a Monday. It gives them quite a bit of time, and I, I see this as a week nine win for uh, week 10. Week 10. Week 10, 10 win, week but it would, be their, win. It, it would be their ninth game. So it's interesting. I don't see this as a trap game. I think the trap game really was the Cardinals game on a short week on a team that's definitely not as good. And and so I think they did win their trap game. I think this is, I do agree with you. I think the 49ers are the better team top to bottom, but Seattle is still tough. You have Russell Wilson, who is having an MVP type season. You have the rivalry. Of course, there's the Richard Sherman story of it all. So it provides quite a bit of drama, intrigue, and solid football because you have two very good football teams. And you're right. Seattle has certainly found ways to win in the past, whether it be against the 49ers or other teams. They have a fi- they happen to find a way to win. A lot of people call it luck. I call it good coaching and being a good football team. DeForest Buckner said on Thursday night – And he was right that the 49ers have found ways to win this season. And last season, they found ways to lose. The 49ers are also becoming that team that find ways to win. And that's what good teams do. That's the difference between good teams and and not so good teams. So we will see how this goes. If the defense plays as they had been, you know, I I forgive the Thursday night defensive performance. You know, Richard Sherman (laughs) called it a humbling performance. I forgive it because I think – I think, I mean, in terms, and I say, when I say I forgive it, I also mean, like, I understand because it was on a short week, and both teams, of course, had the same amount of time to prepare. I just think that 49ers defense has very much carried this team through the season, and by Thursday night on that short week, they were just exhausted. They lost Quan Alexander during the game. He is out for the season, which is going to affect the defense. I think Drake Greenlaw is a great player. I think he will do well. The loss of Quan certainly will affect the defense. I still think they're one of the top defenses in the league, if not top two, if not top. I I do think that defense is actually better than the Patriots defense. But 
I think that defense, the defense we've seen before is the one that shows up, and I really think it will because, as Sherman said, as Buckner said, it was a humbling game, and it was good for them. I think it was very good for that defense to be humbled a little bit. And then the other thing we saw is QB1, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, so much criticism throughout the season. Can he be the guy that win the game? Yes, he can be. When he needs to be, he certainly can be. And we, we saw that the other night. Throws. So There's many crazy throws. throws. And they were right on the money. And that they're hard throws. I mean, I'd say like 80% of the quarterbacks can't make that kind of throw. You know, you know, downfield and like, you know, with everybody there. And he shoots it right past everyone. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it was a little risky. But he knew exactly when. He timed it perfectly. I was impressed. This is the best I've ever seen Jimmy Garoppolo. And I've been critical. And, <laughs> and we also see Jimmy Garoppolo with a true number one wide receiver and a wide receiver he trusts. Good so point. you can make that throw and try that throw when you've got Emmanuel Sanders and that you know after a week. I mean, keep in mind, they've been playing together at that point Perfect. one week. Emmanuel Sanders came the Wednesday, but so not the 30th, the 23rd. So they were together one week in two games already chemistry and trust between him and his number one receiver. And that makes all the difference in the world. So I think now and through the rest of the season, we're going to see what Jimmy Garoppolo actually can do because he's got someone he trusts at receiver to grab those throws, (laughs) to catch those passes. So I think Monday night's going to be a great game. I do think the 49ers will win it. But I, I don't know that it's a slam dunk. But I do think that they're going to win it. I think they're very hyped right now. And then I think they're probably going to lose to Arizona that next Sunday. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, you feels, know, great. I, feels great. Feels great, baby. <laughs> what did you say? I'm sorry. I said feels, feels great, baby. <laughs> feels great, baby. And I will also say on the baby comment, that is so how he talks. That's mm-hmm. just how he talks all the time. If you watch him at any Post-game press conference in a... He calls everybody baby. He calls, he calls you know, his coaches everybody. baby. He's like, he let's go, baby. That's, like, <laughs> that's what he says. That's the way he talks. It was a very funny Halloween moment. But in fairness to Jimmy G, that is, um, that's totally how he talks. But that was funny. But that was fun. I mean, you know, th- this team is fun and this team is having fun. And going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast about chemistry in a locker room. This locker room has such chemistry and such trust in each other. And Emmanuel Sanders said he's never been a part of a locker room like this. I, I read that. I read that. That's amazing. And and I think you saw it so much in these first two seasons that since Kyle Shanahan took over, even the first two seasons that were rough and tough, the locker room never felt that way. And not because they were complacent and gave up, but because you could tell they knew there's a plan. They bought in. They were all in, and they could right. see the rebuilding process. So that is what we have for this week's Fangirl Playbook, except, of course, our favorite part of the show. Well, I can't speak for Steph. My favorite part <laughs> of the show. But I think Steph's, too, because every week when I almost forget it, she does remind me. So <laughs> maybe we are at Fangirl Says, what's hot, what's not, or who's hot and who's not. I'm going to let you go first this week. Uh, okay. Um this week, I I got to go with Baker Mayfield is not hot. Sorry, I was supposed to do what's hot first. Oh, no. You can do, no, you can do it. You, you, it's it's uh, fangirl's choice. You can do whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> well, Baker Mayfield just looked um, really bad out there and surrounding the hype. And 
you know, I'm pulling for the kid. I was pulling for the Browns, but it, it, he just looked very confused. Um, he's actually thrown more interceptions now than TDs. Um, he, he He's on like a record pace of being like the worst quarterback right now. So he's not hot. I hope he improves, but it doesn't look um, – doesn't look good <laughs> as no, far doesn't. as um who's hot i'm gonna go with lamar jackson i watched him and i was thoroughly impressed he played theoretically the best defense and you know the pats defense is nothing to um not consider i mean they're very very good they're fast they make plays they're very smart they hit their assignments and Lamar just completely blew them away. So he is definitely my uh, choice for a fangirl who's hot. <laughs> Fair enough. I cannot argue with you there. My fangirl, I'll start with who's not hot as well. And I'm going to say Odell Beckham Jr., even though I don't know that it's entirely his fault. But the stat that I just can't get over is three red zone targets. I don't know that that may be really more of a who's not Baker Mayfield, but I'm still going to say Odell not hot also with his one touchdown all season. And maybe I should throw Freddie Kitchens in there and maybe I should just make it the Browns, but I'm going to stick with my first <laughs> one and that is Odell Beckham. And then on my who's hot, I'm going to say Greg Roman is hot. Ooh, that's because an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, because Greg Roman, he's been through it. He's been through the highs. He's been through the lows. He's been Very criticized. True. And look at him now. Here he is with the Ravens with this QB and just killing it. So I'm going to give Greg Roman, offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, my who's hot. And with that, my fangirl friends, we are done for today. <laughs> we will talk to you next week when we will be able to recap that Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. So we will talk to you then. Steph, have a great week. You too. Bye. Bye.